I'm John. And I'm David. And you're listening to the Autocorrect Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. We are uh, going to recap the Connecticut Demo Day. Yeah, with uh, the Connecticut Utility Contractors Association. Yeah, it was uh it was on Thursday. Yep. It was uh it was pretty interesting. Uh we got there pretty early. Yeah, um, we were actually some of the first people there. Yeah. Um uh, and it actually worked out really well. Yeah, so there were actually a lot of companies there. A, a couple we didn't know were going to be there. Um Steel Wrist was there, which was the one we were originally mainly going to well, see. Well, they they were the one that invited us. Right. And you were also an honorary employee of a certain other company yeah so they were <laughs> more on that when we go to con expo <laughs> yeah we're not going to name names anyway the uh yeah they we were there for steel wrist and uh but there were a couple other companies that were there we didn't know about that we were able to look at and another one uh, one of the c companies um was there not doing anything but they were parked there we're not going to talk about it <laughs> anyways um yeah they've been you know they've been making some questionable machine size uh decision recently anybody that's in the know will know who exactly we're talking about and whoever isn't don't worry that joke isn't for you but first i do just want to say a huge thank you to case and rachel from mechalek i uh we were talking about case and also <laughs> the sales representative's name was case great guy yeah Anyways, we uh we made our first stop at a Mechalek, which neither of us knew we were gonna be there, but both of us it's a machine that both of us are interested in. The uh their MCR and MWR line. Yeah, so they brought out a bunch of machines, but we got seat time in the six MCR and the nine MWR. Yeah, and they brought it that's like almost their entire line. Between... Uh, for the M they brought out almost the entire line of the MCR and MWR. Yeah. The obviously make a ton more machines than just those two yeah. lines but i think they had the six mcr uh the eight mcr and i think that was i think it was just the two mcrs and then they had the full line of the mwr yeah they had the i think uh, there's three. Oh no they didn't have the full line they didn't have the seven mwr they only had the nine mwr the 11 mwr and the 15 mwr yeah they didn't have the seven but they, they that's more in line with like the six MW, MCR size, so it's not much different. Um, yeah. So yeah, they they had all the sizes covered. Yeah. And they, so it's a French manufacturer. Uh, their founder went to MIT uh, in the U.S., but they uh, they're based out of France, and our closest dealers in uh, Walpole, uh, Massachusetts. But they have a a branch in Milford, Connecticut, which is. Service, service, and 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 they have a sales rep here, but yeah. their main, their their actual dealer is out of uh, Massachusetts, which you know isn't bad. It's a lot closer than Menzi, so yeah. And we will be going out to their Walpole branch sometime in the near future to take a more in-depth look at the equipment. Yeah, hopefully we'll be able to get some video content for YouTube, but the details of that have to be worked out with them first, still. Yeah, the uh, so we got seat time in the six uh, MCR, which is their track machine. Their track machines, both of their machines, but we're gonna focus on their track machines first. Uh, their excavators are known for being more of a multi-tool. 
and they are a combination of a excavator and a skid steer. More of a multi-tool and being very versatile in the sense of, um, I don't know how I want to say this. VA booms are standard. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, so they, they have a three-piece VA boom. So for those of you who don't know, a VA boom is a variable angle boom, which means that there's another pivot at the top center of the boom. A normal excavator boom is like a boomerang shape. It's almost like a curved rectangle. It's a lateral pivot. Yeah. And uh, it adds another degree of freedom, and it actually allows you to almost dig underneath the machine, which can be very useful, especially if you're working in like an alleyway or on a road or something where uh, space is extremely limited. So it's, they have, they're also able to dig parallel outside of their track width, um, which is really interesting. Yeah, so there's a, another pivot further along the boom, but it's uh, a side pivot as opposed to a, uh, a vertical vertical pivot. Yeah, so the VA boom is three-piece, uh, and then it has that side pivot and it allows the machine to have an incredibly long reach with a boom that stays tucked in close. Uh, you have your normal controls, and you have a foot pedal that controls the extra cylinder. Uh, and so it's, it's pretty interesting because it's good for you know, working on trails, working on areas where you have like power lines and stuff where you want to keep your overall height low but have that really long reach. Um, it has a lot of really cool applications, and it's... You know, there's some, you know, most, most manufacturers have some version of it on some machine, but not on all machines. Yeah, and not as standard. So uh, VA booms are somewhat common in Europe, especially on wheeled excavators. Yeah. Extremely rare here in the U.S. Yeah. Um, we it, do see them occasionally, but... I've started seeing them more, but Mechlec definitely here has, like, the in terms of complexity and, like, actual integration definitely has it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Cornered. I mean, and not only that, but like um, back in the late 90s, I think it was, Cat came out with the 307 SSR. Yep. Uh, which was, if I'm not mistaken, the first machine to have a uh, uh, boom that pivoted at the top. So the, the side pivoting boom as opposed to the VA boom. Which the Mechalek has both. I've never seen a machine with both. Yeah. Apart from the Mechalek. Well, that's Mechalek has that kind of cornered. And so Mechalek's also interesting because they don't have like really small excavators. Their smallest one's about 12,000 pounds. Yeah, or six metric tons. Yep. And so it's, you know, it's a, it's a big machine, um, yeah. but it's not physically that large. No, it's very small. And because of the VA boom, you can tuck the boom in very close to the cab for transport. So, yeah, if you were, uh, you can you could fit it in a shipping container if you. Yes, uh, that's not the route I was going. I was going to say if you're a certain contractor, you could fit like three of them on a low bay. I'm not naming the contractor. If you're listening, you know exactly who you are. Anyways, the uh, <laughs> there's another the the second big feature they have is they've integrated the skid steer feature where not only does it change the controls, but it allows you to use a skid steer, like a skid steer bucket, other implements. You can get an adapter plate that allows you to actually use skid steer attachments that have that 
quick attach plate. Yeah. But uh, they have this system with, especially with their skid steer bucket for it, 70-something inch bucket, that has rollers that transfers the force of digging uh, into the blade, into the undercarriage, so you get all your force from movement. That, it, it, yep. takes the, it takes the force off of the boom and transfers it directly to the undercarriage, which is where you want it. And it's also nice because it, it changes the machine. When you switch the dial to the skid steer, it actually changes it to completely a skid steer pattern. Yeah. So um, your travel is even like a skid steer. Yeah, which, it travels like a skid steer, and your lift, it, it figures out which way to move the cylinders to have a Yeah, it reverses lift. your curl, too. There, So yeah. there is a button to reverse your curl, like if you're just using it as an excavator and have your, the bucket on backwards, which is something that I wish all machines had. So many times I've had a bucket on backwards to like unload a dump truck or something, and I forget about that, and it, it takes me a second. So it'd be really nice if that was a standard feature on a lot of machines where you could just reverse the curl direction. Yeah. There's but, another special thing that this one was equipped with. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, that's just what I was about to mention. Yeah. Um, so the uh, sales, ex- or sales representative, Case, uh, says that he has something interesting to show us, and then he hits the rocker switch for the thumb circuit. I thought you broke the machine. I want to be very, very uh, clear. To be fair, I wasn't sitting in it at the time. <laughs> but um, I thought you were. No, I wasn't. So there's a uh, vibrator on the side of the boom that acts as a plate compactor or like a uh, material sorter. So when you hit that rocker switch, the uh, boom starts vibrating and you can use the bucket as a plate compactor. and the thing about that that really shocked me is I was, I was talking to him and I thought that obviously you're not going to be running that constantly. I, obviously you're not going to be running that constantly, but I was immediately concerned about excess wear and tear when he showed that to me. But after talking to him, it's actually less wear and tear than a traditional plate compactor. And the main reason being because plate compactors are so heavy. They are, especially the excavator attachments, they are very heavy. So. Now you don't have this extra weight that you're essentially tossing around with the excavator. Yeah, it's a unit that where I don't know if it's a motor on the side or if it uses the uh, the cylinders because yeah, it looked exactly like a manifold. It, it looked way too small to be a motor. I don't know exactly how it worked, but like I was saying earlier, I'm surprised that it doesn't increase wear and tear on the machine more yeah. than a traditional plate compactor. Well, actually, I take that back less than a traditional plate compactor, obviously you are going to have more wear and tear on the machine than if you just didn't have anything at all. Yeah, it's it kind of makes sense because, you know, when you have a plate compactor on the end, it's still vibrating the whole machine. Yeah. It's still it's still hitting it pretty hard, but yeah, I mean, it kind of it makes sense at the same time. It feels like it should be more, but I don't know. It's it's a very interesting piece of equipment and that that's like that's really nice especially you don't have to have you know an extra plate compactor you don't have to have it like bring it down into a trench or something you can just like quickly especially doing drainage and stuff you can quickly tamp it down and keep moving oh exactly that that thing is great for drainage i mean the machines themselves are great for road work especially the mwr the mwr is great for road work the mcr is great for road work but a lot of other things especially trail work oh they're very and and drainage and utility work and in particular yeah so yeah but the mwr is also pretty interesting 
I, I was very impressed with how ergonomic the machine was. Um, obviously, you have so many extra functions than you would have in a traditional excavator, and clearly they put a lot of thought into it, and the controls make sense. Yeah. Which is... You think, you know, oh, they can just decide whatever they want, and they're the only ones doing this. But for those of you who don't run equipment, I, this may seem kind of foreign if you've never run an excavator before but they are all the same that is at the core of it they are all the same and it's really important that a company like mechalek that does something completely different keeps that core integration yeah and it definitely takes a minute to get used to that third boom but at the same time it also felt natural getting used to it yeah but if you you know if you've ever run a tilt rotator it, it's something that also takes quite a bit of getting used to because you're adding you know two or three more functions whether you have you know a grapple or something on. yeah but you know it's the same thing and then you put a tilt rotator on that you're which learning, they have yeah which support they, for they had and they had it on the 15 the, the big road machine yes. that's one of the, i think that's their biggest machine that is um, well that is their biggest mwr they have the other i don't remember what it's called the uh, articulated wheeled excavator that has the cab on the wrong side, mind you. It is 21,000 pounds. Yeah, so smaller in terms of tonnage. Yeah, the other was, uh, the other one was almost like 30, right? 15, yeah. yeah 15 the, metric tons, so yeah. 30 something. 31 or 34,000 pounds, so yeah. Yeah, which is still smaller than the smallest cat wheeled excavator i'm pretty sure the smallest wheeled excavator from cat is the m317f which is a europe only machine and that's 17 metric tons and then they have the crawler excavator which i didn't know they also made just a yeah they do that's just the 15 mc so it's just the bigger of the it's just a steel track machine pretty much um 34000 pounds so that's and just without the, the bendy boom right so that's just no bendy boom and uh, steel tracks. So it doesn't have the bigger, it doesn't have that uh, skid style. Uh, yeah. But the one of the big things about the MCR is that it has, it's almost double the top speed of most excavators. Um, yeah, it's about six miles an hour. Six point something, yeah. Which is really high um, for something like this. And it, it does move closer to a skid steer, which yep. could be eight to 12 miles per hour, depending on what you have. Yep. Um, but for having the versatility of, of this, it's it's insane. And it does have it's it's a very unique design. You can definitely recognize one of these from a mile away. Yeah, but, we'll put some pictures on our Instagram, both from the demo day and from their website. One other thing that I do want to touch on before we move on is the coupler that, that Mechalek uses. Yeah, so it's a pin grabber, and it uses... But it's completely integrated. Yeah, and which... it, it uses one uh, big cylinder inside to put the pressure on, and so you never have a loose bucket, even when it, uh, everything starts to wear, it always keeps pressure. Yes. So your attachments are always tight. And you have no loss of breakout force because the coupler is the pin. Yeah. Whereas normally on another machine, you'll have your pins... And then you'll have a quick coupler bolt, pinned to your pins. And then yeah. that quick coupler will then attach to the bucket and you'll lose six inches or so 
um, from the pins, which equates to a decent amount of breakout force. Yeah, it's usually quite a bit. It's enough to make a difference. Yeah. Um, especially, so this is, uh, it's pretty much just a hydraulic ram, a piston, in between the two pins. Um, it just connects the two pins that would normally just be there and you would pin to something. Uh, those linkages are connected by that ram and it, it does save a lot of breakout force. Yeah. And the other big thing to, to mention here, especially with, I mean, the smaller machines and the big machines, you, with the three-piece boom, it keeps the base of the boom in the middle of the machine and it transfers all the weight. The center of gravity is low and in the center of the machine, which gives it way more stability. I mean, even they were running that new uh, Hydrovac attachment on that one and they had it yes. way out and it was not tipping at all. That was very impressive to see. They had a, I mean, it was a few thousand pounds. Easily. It was two to 3,000 pounds of Hydrovac off the end of this thing. And I think that was a 10 they had that on. And it didn't tip at all. And they had it 20, probably 20 feet out in front of it. Yeah. Yeah, that so was very impressive. It, and, even, and they had it way up in the air too, but it transfers that weight right down over the, uh, the turntable. Slew the, ring. Uh, the, the slew ring, rather. I was trying, that's the word I was looking for. But it's impressive. And they're, they... They are a little more expensive um, but for not their much. size, but not much. I mean, they're, they're about 20 to 30% more expensive than the comparable machine from Cat, Komatsu, or John Deere. What's really cool, though, even with the fact, so like a 6MCR in our area, you can expect to pay like 115 to 130,000, depending on how you spec it, you can go higher. Um, but for that, you're getting, for a new machine, you know, you're getting an excavator, but you're getting a lot of features of having the capabilities, a lot of the capabilities of a skid steer and being able to use forks and everything very easily. Yeah. You're getting the, that bucket that is always tight, which is having the pin grabber kind is great. And then uh, on top of that, you know, you're also getting the speed. You know, you're really getting more of the functionality of having something like a backhoe but instead of having a backhoe where you're, you know, always 50%, 50% or whatever you want to call it on a machine, you're 100% backhoe when you want it to be, or excavator in this case, yes. and 100% yep. loader when you want it to be. So you're never splitting between the two. So for that, for that price tag, you know, it's, it's a lot of machine in terms of capability and applicability. Absolutely. And the other thing that I want to touch on with the MWR is how compact that machine is. So obviously a wheeled machine, it has steerable axles. It, uh, as opposed to something like a wheeled skid steer, which can differential steer. Yeah. Wheeled excavators can't do that. So it has four corner steering. Yeah. But it can, I don't remember what the exact radius was. It has a very tight turning radius tighter than any other wheeled excavator I've ever seen. Yeah, it's really tight. And combine that with being able to completely tuck in the boom, again, you can maneuver that machine in a place where you wouldn't be able to dare maneuver another wheeled excavator. I also like the independent blade and stabilizer controls, which is not something that's very common on a wheeled excavator of that size. Once you go up to something like a, you know, cat m322f then you see that you don't see that on like an 11 ton 
or a or a seven ton wheeled excavator. So let's talk about on the wheeled excavator specifically. They uh, these things, but the they have two and a half times more compact than a classic excavator in terms of turning radius for a wheeled excavator. Wow. Uh, on top of that, there's another thing is with that. Uh, that when the this second section of boom has that pivot in it instead of down in front of the cab, it when you have stuff like forks and stuff on, you can be driving on an angle with that turned, and it gives you, it can give you level. I suppose if you had the boom lower, it wouldn't work. Yeah, the the geometry wouldn't work. There's another thing that's really interesting is we're looking at the nine MWR, the wheeled machine right now. It has six and a half meters. If you put forks on it, you can get six and a half meters. That's of impressive. Height. That's that's ridiculous. That is really impressive. And then you can have uh two point nine meters down, which is also impressive. But one of the most impressive things here is having the capability of lifting three tons up to three meters at three hundred sixty degrees, which means you can pick up the full capacity of the machine up to three meters and spin it 360 degrees and remain stable that's incredible which no other machine can do that no i don't think so at least uh, no other machine that they, they, you have to have not, not this, in that size class right yeah you have to have this this boom design with that center where it transfers the weight down into the center of the machine to be able to be that stable so it's it's impressive it's really impressive yeah um hopefully we will be able to arrange something with our local mechalect dealer and either set up an interview or you know make a youtube video or something and get that out to you guys so we'll try for that probably after con expo yeah so but before we end i do just want to talk about the rest of the demo that's what i was going to say yeah. let's work we want to talk about uh we didn't operate any of the steelers equipment that was quite a line for that but uh we did we were looking at that stuff uh which was pretty interesting. I think the, I think it was a three ten. It was on. It was blacked out, so there was no badging yeah. on it. Um, but with the steel wrist green pinstriping, it looked great. Yeah, it did. And we also saw the uh, guys over at Badger Daylighting. Yep. Great company to work with. It was funny talking to them about you know projects we've worked on together in the past and uh, some upcoming projects that we have, uh, and some projects I didn't know about that uh, the company I work for is doing. Yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, Hopefully someday we'll be able to uh, get like Chris from Badger on here or something because mm. hydrovac excavating is a really niche thing that not a lot of people know about. Well, not a lot of people out of the industry know about. Right. Yeah, it's pretty common in the industry. But the uh, the other thing we uh, were able to do is they had I don't know what size Doosan that was that had the masticator on it. That was a two twenty five. So twenty five. Yeah. Twenty two metric ton. Yeah, so it was a pretty big machine. Uh, we were able to run that. Um, that was with uh, Indeco. Yep. And then they had, uh, it was a Wacker, Newson, and uh, uh, Kubota. And then they, the Kubota skid steer. Um, and and a wheeled, two Kubota X. Yeah. They had, a, the, uh, they had a skid steer. They had the wheeled Wacker, Newson. Uh, I, I want to say that was like an EW. 110 yeah i don't know what it, i don't know around it a 10 ton class machine it was goofy yeah it was a it was a wheeled excavator it was um, a wheeled excavator it did have a va boom which yeah. was interesting and uh you didn't run that one i don't think right just me. no i was not interested in running that one it was uh it was an interesting machine i've never you jammed run... it yeah well so 
turns out Indeco just sort of threw that head on there. Um, I guess they had an extra head that they sent down, so yeah. they just sent another machine out. So the flow wasn't set up properly. The, the machine wasn't set up properly for it. it we which... kept pulling the head over, and and it would you know it would uh, lose RPM, and then it would jam it to the back of the head because you don't you don't want to feed it through the back of the head. You want it to be out the front. Yeah. So. It was a little weird. We didn't run either the Kubota machines, but it's it was the same thing. Yeah, that that's you know those no... those machines had the right flow, but the, the... yeah, well, so the, with the Wacker, that that's no fault of Indeco or Wacker. That was just the machine was not set up properly. It, it wasn't they. That was just a thing they did last minute just to yeah. have it there. It wasn't really meant to be together. So yeah, there was those or a couple other uh, mulchers on skid steers we didn't go look at. Yeah, there was uh, I think a Takuchi. TL twelve probably, yeah. Uh, running around with uh with an Indeco head on it. Yeah, and then there was a couple other. There's one other skids. I think it was another Kubota skids. I don't remember. But then they had uh, was that a Doosan? What was the one that was up front with the uh with con- the breaker on the it? The concrete processor. Yeah, that was that was also a Doosan. That was a bigger one. I th- yeah, want to say that one. was like a three thirty maybe. It was pretty big. Um, yeah, it was significantly larger than the other. Yeah, I want I want to say it was a 330. So uh, around a 30 ton machine. Uh, also with an Indeco head on or Indeco um concrete uh, concrete uh, breaker, breaker on it. Breaker. Yeah, it was a, a processor whatever you want to call it. Well, that that was a that was not a processor. That was, that was, that was a breaker. That was a breaker. Yeah. They didn't have any of the processors out. Right. Uh, and they did have they had a Komatsu PC210 with a steel wrist on it. Yeah. That's a big machine to put a steel wrist on. Steel wrist has some big uh, that's probably rotators. about the biggest uh, tilt rotator that Steel Wrist makes for yeah. for a twenty ton class machine. I'm pretty sure it is. And they also had a single John Deere. I don't even know what it was. One thirty five, maybe. With, oh yeah, yeah. With a hammer on it. Yeah. And then they had a couple of the Kubotas were running some of the Steel Wrist stuff too. They had yeah, and two, they were running two or three of them there. They were running not only the Steel Wrist uh, tilt rotator, but also the Steel Wrist attachment line. Yeah. Which, uh, with the uh, grapple, cool, the grapple, they didn't have any of their like automatic connecting ones that have the integrated hydraulics. They were all the hose ones, but yeah, which I would have liked to see those. But actually, they did have that on the one they were displaying, but it wasn't on a machine. They yeah. had it. Uh, the one they were displaying had all the integrated hydraulics. That's like oil quick, um, type setup. But uh, they did disappointed. Not have... We don't have oil quick in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, not not as much as Europe. I think there's only one oil quick dealer in the U.S. and I think it's in like Colorado or something, which is bizarre. But it'd be nice to have that. Yeah, you know, as uh, Aaron Witt talks about, the U.S. is significantly behind Europe in efficiency for earthwork and demolition, especially. Yeah, we have so much space, and there's so like it, it compared to Europe. The U.S. has so much more room for, like, leeway in that. And it's like the Europe didn't really have a choice because they started, yeah. you know, they have limited space, especially compared to that. And, you know, our development projects are just huge because we have ridiculous amounts of land. But Europe had was forced more into the recycling of materials and, you know, all the regulation with landfills and, and how you can move your machines around and stuff because it's all a lot closer together. And there's a lot more older civilization in terms of, like, uh, historic cities and things, too, where you have to work around that. Absolutely. So Europe is definitely more optimized for construction and demolition. But, yeah, I think uh, the U.S. has a long way to come. 
Yeah. And we are, you know, we're, there's a lot of people that are, they talk about this on Dirt Talk, filled with, uh, which is uh, Aaron Witt and uh, Eric Jumper. Well, uh, Eric isn't actually the other host. Alex is the other host. Well, right, but Eric's <laughs> on there all the time. Um, people will probably know them more but from YouTube, but, uh, and Instagram and Tier Zero. But, uh, uh, Tier Zero, what a, what a movement. <laughs> yeah. So they talk about this and it's, it's, a problem because there's a lot of people that are retiring and there's not they're not we're not bringing enough people into trades especially dirt yeah you know, excavation um, to to have them ready by the time all these people are going to be retiring yeah 40 percent of the construction workforce here in the u.s is going to retire by the end of the decade yeah 2030 so and it takes approximately 11 years to fully train somebody to replace somebody of that skill set so it's uh, it's a problem. It's a losing battle, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and it's not something that's going to be addressed quick enough to alleviate it. It's already too late. So it's it's kind of a thing. And there's there's been this polarization of people seeing trades as like somehow less. But it is true that you know all the the trades that you can't civilization doesn't go on without them. You know your your roads don't get paid, your utilities can't be built, your everything, your house doesn't get built. All of these things that people rely on. And not only that, I mean, if you look at like apprenticeships that they have, apprenticeship programs that they have in Europe, they are years ahead of what we have here in the U.S. Even the apprenticeships in Canada are are beyond what we do here in the U.S. Yeah, and nobody's talking about it here. We also are one country with a higher population, and it just seems like a lot of things get brushed under. Yeah. But it, it is a problem, and that is something, if you guys want to go check out uh, Dirt World and uh, Dirt Talk with by uh, Buildwit, that's, that's something that you can learn more about. There, something there kind of charging into full steam. Yeah. And, yeah, it's a problem. Huge and problem. it's kind of like these professions that, you know, some people, you know, college isn't right for everybody, and it's expensive, and a lot of these things you don't get the value out of. But, you know, something like a trade, which is good for a lot of people, some people will avoid because they somehow think less of it because they've been conditioned this way by people that might not know what they're talking about. Yep. And the public eye, and the public eye is not always right. Oftentimes the, it's not. And the public eye somehow seems to forget the fact that without trades, everything stops working. So, Yeah, it's one of those things that will quite literally always be in demand. Yeah, because without it, civilization falls apart. Because if nobody's there to build the things and to maintain these systems, then they go away. And uh, there's, another, there's another thing to talk about is the people that kind of Road construction is a really dangerous thing, and people will, you know, be so upset that people are working on the roads, and then, you know, there were uh, 2,222 deaths from, I think, 2000, was it 2001 or 2003 to 2022 from road yeah. construction, and 63% of them were from uh, people, uh, workers being struck. Yeah. So, next time you're driving through a work zone... Slow down, move over. And remember that you can't go drive your kid to school or go to work or do any of these things without these workers that are out there in miserable conditions in the middle of the night. You know, 
who cares about a little bit of traffic? Deal with it. Yeah, there's a reason that... It's not worth killing somebody over. There's a reason that the speed limit drops to usually 45 on the highway through a work zone. It's not just to inconvenience you. Yeah. So with that aside, that's going to wrap up this episode. Uh, we are going to be diving into a dedicated episode to Seb, Sebastian Vettel, and uh, then we're going to be doing uh, F1 Deep Dive Series. Yep. So uh, that's going to wrap it up, and we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening.